Welcome to Talking Jazz. This is Monica Hersik, and I have a very special show today. We're going to dig in very deep in early Austrian jazz history. And you're wondering why do we do that? I think A, there is a lot to learn about digging in into local jazz histories. And B, I recently relocated to Vienna in Austria, at least for a certain amount of time. And one of my first assignments at the university was to dig into the early jazz history in the research seminar. And first I thought, well, I'm the completely wrong person to do the job because I'm not Austrian. I know very little about it. And then I remembered, you know, when I did the book on David Baker and I dug into the Indiana Avenue jazz history and it was fascinating. And I realized that every locality has a very unique, special history that's often not written down and transmitted. And what I'm going to do with the students here is have them dig in deeply and find treasures and reimagine them. We don't need to make a timeline about who played what with who. We need to imagine what was going on at the time, who was playing, where did the influences come from, and how does the music sound in relation to the environment we're in. So I have some treasures that are rarities and, and can really be found and often recordings by somebody that are not published. So the first thing that I'm gonna share is the very first recording of an Austrian jazz group that exists. Just like we have the very first recording in 1917 of the U.S. jazz scene, it was this one is actually from already from 1919, and in a sense, it feels more still like ragtime. Ragtime was composed music, was at the roots of a lot of these jazz styles, was oozing in. And this one has a lot of the formats of ragtime, early ragtime, with, you know, A section, there's a B section, and there's a C section, and very, very through composed. And it's also kind of funny, it incorporates some Austrian melodies. This is Bobby Jazz is, is, is the name of the tune and it's the Salon Capelle. So it's the group of the Salon that's playing it. So this was 1919, the very first recorded document of Austrian jazz that we have. Thank you. 
was Bobby Jazz by the Salon Capelli, one of the very, very first jazz recordings of Austria that we have, 1919, two years after the first American jazz recording. So a lot of these histories go parallel and it's really interesting to explore how each one influenced each other and how each one was influenced by their cultural context. And this next one is actually a document of the social and political aspects that were going on in Austria and in Europe at the time. We are between wars. Wars. The First World War was over. We had jazz somewhat flourishing and coming in from the outside. But then dark times were ahead when the German Nazis eventually took over the Austrian regime and somewhat forced the country of Austria to be their ally. As we see in the Sound of Music, you know, many had to flee, many had to get away. There was very little choice for the population of either cooperating or leaving. A lot of the musicians in those early jazz bands were actually of Jewish descent and many either immigrated, were able to immigrate, or some were not and, and perished. So this next one is actually an example of one of the musicians, one of the Jewish musicians who was not able to escape and who perished during uh, the Second World War in one of the camps. His name was Gustav Vogelhut. He was a very talented clarinetist and he's featured on this recording, which is a recording by Ernst Holzer, who is also the vocalist on this. And it's one of his compositions called Hot Fox. And we hear on the clarinet Gustav Vogelhut. So that's in honor of his tragic perishing during the Second World War. Thank you. 
Hot Fox, a recording by Ernst Holzer and his orchestra, and another example of the early Austrian jazz history. And I apologize for some of the iffy sound quality of these recordings, but you know, we didn't have Pro Tools and all these fancy digital tools at the time. Many recordings were done with one microphone in the room or even just by a jazz lover at a, at a place. If we look at the Indiana jazz history, actually, we have the Jeanette Studios and, and many pictures show how there's one microphone in the room and the band has to be distributed according to their volume of playing. So it comes to the microphone somewhat equalized and mixed, so to say, because you don't have the luxury of, of mixing. Louis Armstrong often had to stand way in the back because he was so much louder than everybody else. And that was, you know, what you had to deal with with the technology. It's not the best sound recording often, but it's great to have any documentation of that time and that early history. After we just heard about the tragic perishing of one of the Jewish jazz musician Gustav Vogelhut from Vienna. Of course, we also have to address some of the racism of the time that, you know, of course, the U.S. has a history, but also in, in Europe, there was a lot of racism going on. The way black jazz musicians were, were portrayed was something exotic, you know, different jungle music often. And one of the musicians that actually got very popular during the time was an U.S. immigrant, Arthur Bricks. And he did various recordings at the time. He was active in Austria and uh, Germany during the time of 1922 to 28 and eventually settled in Paris where he taught music and he had an incredible beautiful trumpet sound this next one is an example of his recordings this is Arthur Bricks on a tune called Sula and um, there is a humongous collection that's called Black People in Europe and it's 44 CDs. It's a rarity these days. And I found this one. This is volume 22. was published 2013 by Bear Family Records. So here is Sula with Arthur Briggs. <laughs> Thank you. 
was a recording called Zula by Arthur Briggs, who was one of the trumpeters uh, that immigrated from the U.S., one of the black trumpeters, and was active in Germany and Austria, and eventually uh, taught in Paris. Um, let's go back to another example of the Jewish musicians who had to immigrate. So this is Bobby Sachs and his orchestra. And Bobby Sachs was originally Ernst Moritz Sachs. He was born in 1912 in Vienna and the son of a doctor, very talented. His parents um, supported him very much. And by the time of the Second World War and the Nazis taking over, he was actually able to immigrate and to escape to the US where he had somewhat of a hit and some of you might remember this <clears throat> this is from 1969 it's called a taste of soul and you can hear the era too but what's so cool about it what's so special is that realizing this is a musician who grew up in austria and vienna and you can hear the type of arranging and orchestration that is so skilled and reminiscent of some some of the larger European orchestras and how it found its way in this taste of soul and becoming a US hit in 1969. So here it is, Bobby Sachs and his orchestra at Taste of Soul.
That was Bobby Sachs and his orchestra, A Taste of Soul, a 1969 recording. And my theme today is the early Austrian jazz history. Some of you might remember this as a U.S. hit, but Bobby Sachs, Ernst Moritz Sachs, was an immigrant from Vienna, uh, son of a Jewish doctor. So I'm tracing a lot of this history and a lot of the relationships among these localities. And of course, you know, I always love to discover some of the great female musicians. And there was a very popular and accomplished accordionist called Vera Auer. She also played vibraphone quite often. And she was a great niece of the violinist Leopold Auer and uh, initially studied, of course, piano and then um, went to the accordion. And in 1948, she uh, had a group with guitarist Attila Soller, a combo. So Attila is, is very well known with his um, gypsy jazz style. And... Um, Later on, also played with uh, Joe Savinol and, and Solomon, Tony Stricker. And eventually she married, uh, 1959, the U.S. Um, musician Brian Boucher and moved to the United States. She was at the Lenox School of Jazz uh, and studied there and eventually also taught there and um, recorded in the U.S. in 1970 in LP under the title Positive Vibes and um, did had a, had a great, great career, including some of the jazz festivals at the St. Peter's Church in New York. So here is Vera Auer and you can hear her on the accordion and this is swinging. It's called Apollani and it's a 1950 recording. Vera Hour with her soloists. <laughs> Thank you. 
accordion with her group Vera Hour and the soloists and a tune called Apple Honey which she recorded in 1950. And my theme today is some of the early uh, Austrian jazz history and specifically um, focusing on Vienna which naturally happens because Vienna was the largest metropolitan area but of course there was a lot going on in surrounding um, cities and, and um, regions also. But come along to actually a, a venue right here in, in the city of Vienna. It was called the Steffeldiele and this is 1944. So also you have to imagine that jazz was forbidden during the Second World War. This was the devil's music, this was the music from the enemies, and if you were caught playing jazz, you'd end up in prison. So the only recording we have here is actually a live recording, which of course is not the best quality, so you'll have to really <laughs> dive into the live aspect here, but we're so lucky to have this. So this is right at the end of the Second World War. And you have to imagine it's kind of dangerous to do this right now. So come along with me to the Steffel deal. And we'll, we're going to hear Ernst Landl and um, his com oh, he, he's the one playing piano. And Herbert Mitteis on vocals, Vittorio Duccini on guitar and possibly Arthur Mata on drums. So very rare document here of what was going on at the end, secretly going on at the end of the Second World War in Vienna. Thank you. 
You just heard a recording live from the Steffel DLA, 1944, secretly and privately recorded in Vienna at the Steffel DLA, which was one of the jazz venues, but one of the secret jazz venues because jazz was forbidden during the Second World War in Austria. So we have a few more to explore here from the early jazz history in Austria. We got to the Second World War by now. Let me just uh, dive a little bit into the following decade and some of the things to come. And of course, what we see is now collaborations between American, European musicians as travel as possible, as many of the U.S. musicians uh, tour and live in Europe. And this is a really special recording that features West Montgomery, our own West Montgomery. And this was live in Hamburg in 1968, actually. But this features um, Hans Koller on the saxophone. And Hans Koller was another Vienna musician. And um, he his idol was the sound of Lester Young which uh, he strived to um, copy or emulate. He had, he was at the age of 20 in 1941, he um, had to go to war and was imprisoned by the uh, Americans where he was then actually able to start a band. And since the music scene and income options in Austria after the World War were not great at all. He actually immigrated to Germany where he played with um, many great musicians and led some of the radio big bands. So this recording was done in Germany in Hamburg um, he was part of the European All-Stars and it features Wes Montgomery. Um, you will hear um, Johnny Griffin, Ronnie Scott, Hans Koller and Ronnie Ross on the saxophones. Um, then you will hear Wes Montgomery on the guitar um, and eventually Marshall Solal also. So, here we go. Thank <laughs> you. 
That was a 1968 live recording from Hamburg featuring Wes Montgomery and on the saxophone Hans Koller because we're exploring the Austrian jazz history today and Hans Koller was a Vienna jazz musician who eventually immigrated to Germany and um, was able to collaborate with a lot of the great musicians coming through including Wes Montgomery. And we have one last one. Um, we have time for one more. So we will work our way uh, to 1958, a recording by the Austrian All-Stars. And I thought that was fitting having the Austrian All-Stars at the end. And it features probably the, Austri the most well-known Austrian expert, which is Joe Salvino on piano. But um, this is while he was still in Vienna. And the fascinating thing about this one, it was 1958. So we're just at the time of the cool jazz. And Dave Brubeck's album Time Out is going to come out in 1959. And the sound you're hearing is so similar to uh, Dave Brubeck's cool jazz sound. So you can see how the world is connected and how these things develop parallel at different places and spaces. And this is actually a composition by the um, classical crossover pianist Friedrich Gulda. It's called Quartet. And um, you can hear how he studied the sound that he was hearing. He actually um, made it his goal to to study as deeply as possible the American sound. He didn't just want to emulate something that he how he thought it sounds, but based on on learning about it as much as he could. And he did. And so this is a piece by Friedrich Gula Quartet and it's performed by the Austrian All Stars recorded on a album called Jazz Time Vienna in 1958 
and it features on bass Rudolf Hansen, on drums Victor Plasil, on piano Joe Zavinu, tenor saxophone is Hans Salomon, and trumpet Dick Murphy. So thank you for coming along with me on this excursion in the early Austrian jazz history, and I have some exciting guests planned in the next few shows, so check it out. Always listen to the other Talking Jazz episodes as we explore this music and find out fascinating details. Here are the Austrian All-Stars with Quartet by Friedrich Gulda. That was the Austrian All-Stars from a recording, Jazz Time in Vienna, and they played Quartet by Friedrich Gulda. However, um, the pianist on this recording was Joe Savinul, um, 
probably the most um, known jazz expert of Vienna to the international jazz scene. But we didn't hear Friedrich Gulda, who was a legendary classical pianist, but took on studying jazz and, and um, mastering it and becoming a prominent musician in both genres. He did a lot of collaborations with Chikoria, Herbie Hancock, and um, all the great pianists and, and much beyond. So I want to close out the show with this really special live recording that's Friedrich Gulda and Barbara Dennerlein on the Hammond B3 organ. And Friedrich Gulda was a Vienna native, uh, but Barbara Dennerlein was actually from Munich, which uh, if you look at the geography, it's, it's, it's pretty close. <laughs> uh, Munich and Vienna, it's about a four hour train ride, um, but it's over the border into, into Germany. Languages are somewhat similar, but there's a border in the middle. It's a different country. But uh, they're playing together, and this is called Stormy Weather Blues, and I just absolutely love Barbara Dennerlein's playing. She is still playing quite frequently, and she still keeps her home base in Munich, actually. But this is our last segment here for Austria history, uh, volume two and more volumes to come. So thank you for listening to Talking Jazz and enjoy Friedrich Gulda and Barbara Dennerlein playing Stormy Weather Blues.
Thank you for listening to Talking Jazz. My topic today was early Austrian jazz history, pre-World War, up to just right after. You can hear Talking Jazz every Thursday at 11 a.m. and Mondays at 7 p.m. on WETF 105.7 in South Bend, Indiana, or online at jazzradiowetf.org. And Fridays at 8 p.m. on WICR 88.7, Indianapolis. Previous shows are also on my YouTube channel, Monica Hersig, M-O-N-I-K-A-H-E-R-Z-I-G. Please subscribe to the Talking Jazz playlist. Thank you for listening.